Hello and welcome to the QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser and I'm joined by three others in a new location for us and with a very special guest. The three others, Paul Finney, Chris Charles and Flo Lloyd Hughes. Uh, The new location, we're recording this at Loftus Road on Match Day, which we've never done before. Uh, As we speak, it's currently a couple of hours uh, before the Pompey replay and we're all looking out onto a stunning floodlit Loftus Road. And that's because of our special guest, Tony Fernandez. We last spoke to him nine months ago. This week is six months since he handed over the chairmanship of QPR to Amit Bhatia. So we thought it would be good time for a catch-up. Uh, it's match day. Tony's busy. Finney is still currently dry, I think. <laughs> a bit harsh. I'm, I mean alcoholic, not... not, not I'm not suggesting bit... you wear a nappy or anything like that. It's a myth that that way last night. But... <laughs> you can talk. You were a lot more drunk than I was. What? My daughter's here. Do you do... Know? Do you know we kind of agreed to do the New York Marathon last night? Yes. Yeah, I'll talk to you about that later on. Yeah. Believe that when I see it. Um, so we better get on with it. Um, so we're going to jump straight into the questions. We did put it out to Twitter, and we do have a couple of questions for you. Uh, I'm going to start with a question, Tony, from QPR Report, who writes, the very fact that you're interviewing Tony Fernandez suggests that ultimately he's still very much in control of QPR. Is that the case? Well, I mean, I'm, <clears throat> the fact is, you know, I'm a major shareholder, and so, of course, I take a very, very keen interest in what's going on. You can't just devoid yourself of uh, QPR, plus it's a club I love. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm involved, very much involved. In control, all the shareholders are involved, all the directors are involved, no one person is in control. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a board that has a mission, and we're very united on that mission. We're very clear on that mission. We've got to be patient. And uh, we're moving in the right direction. So when you say... So who's involved more so in the day-to-day running of, of Queen's Park Rangers? Oh, I think what we've got now is we've got a, a very effective management team. Lee Hoos is very much in control and on the overall side of the club. And uh, Les is uh, you know, running the football day-to-day with Steve McLaren, Gary Penrice in the scouting side. And Chris Ramsey. We've got a good team. Mm. So, you know, we're looking at it from the funding, from the strategy, from what we want, the vision, and obviously the finances. So can I just ask one more question, just to clear up from my stupidness. When the club says we're debt-free, what does that actually mean in real terms? Well, we're debt-free. So Um, The reality is that that there is a loan outstanding to myself and, and Ruben. Um, that's from one pocket to another, right? So, okay. in, in effect, we're debt free. So, nothing on. What should you leave Queens Park Rangers at any stage? Nothing. The debt goes with no. you, basically. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. But to, to all the guys who don't particularly like me, I don't intend to leave anytime soon. Explain the dynamic now between you and, and Amit. What has changed in your role the past <coughs> six months? What well, are you I doing think, less of? What's yeah, you doing more of? I think Amit is involved on a day to day basis. He's based here. Um, if there are decisions that need to be made and we're not around and you know, Ahmed has the full authority to make those decisions, he's interacting much more with Lee. Um, and, uh, you know, we're obviously, both Ruben and me travel a lot. We're also in a 
very different time zone. So I think this makes a lot more sense that everyone's in the same time zone, the decision-making team's in the same time zone. And uh, I think it's, it's been successful so far. Mm. Do you think the heat's been taken off you a bit now, now that you're not in the, the spotlight so much as you were before? No, I don't think it ever changes, right? When things are going well, there may be a few nice tweets, but when things are going bad, <laughs> I'll still get abused. But that's okay. That's fine. I've um, kisses on them. Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul Finney's been much nicer. That's, uh, that, that, that's a change. That's one up from uh, the, the past few years. No, no. I mean, I think you know, leadership is about, and, and taking ownership is about taking the good and the bad. So yeah. that's not a problem. Um, and I, I don't think the heat will ever change because we're shareholders and we're very involved in this club and, and we love this club, so you've got to take the good with the bad. We're talking about, I mean, the first four games of this season, mm. uh, fans are singing, you're getting sacked in the morning or joining in with those chants. We're getting beat 7-1 by West Brom. Um, at any stage, did, did the, was there a, a consideration that Steve might have to go? No. I mean, that's the truth. I mean... Um, Come on. You know, at, there must have, there at, must have been... Uh, no, because you would, you if you look at it... No, if you look that, at it, no? you look at it logically. I mean, even at West Brom, 65 minutes, it was 1-1. You know, we'd equalised... We were holding our own. Um, at uh, I think Bristol was a poor game, but at Sheffield, Sheffield United, it was it was two one. Preston was one nil. We didn't have the the luck of the you know rub of the green, and we knew there were a couple more players coming in. Um, so, you know, we've got to, that, that word I keep saying every so often in Twitter. We've got to be patient. This is the clubs that are kind of. You know, started to to shine, have been patient, and have been doing it the right way. And you can't build Rome in a day. I mean, I'm sure that's been said many, many times, but it is a fact. So no, there wasn't. We sat here with you nine months ago. It was come. It was the last week of the season, um, and Ian Holloway was still manager. Mm. Uh, and then you, you, I, you being the club, made the very big call to move on a manager who was by and large popular by and large felt to have done a good job what led to that decision and presumably you feel vindicated in it now without me putting words in (laughs) which you just did (laughs) (laughs) um i i don't really want to go into the reasons of why but we felt that ian had done a great job for us and he had in what we had wanted a bit of stability. We wanted to start bringing in the youngsters into the club. Um, he was prepared to make hard decisions. He was prepared to go along with the toughness of the budget and the FFP and all the things that were ahead of us. And he, and he and he did it very well. We stuck with him when we had two of the worst runs. If you remember, six six and seven losses on the trot. Um, but we just felt that. To move forward, we needed a change. Vindication is, is in football, is, you know, this can change in two or three weeks' time. Uh, it can change tonight. So I'm smart enough to say you never, you never vindicated. Uh, you never are, in reality, because a manager could win the European Cup three, three seasons in a row and then have a terrible season, and he's out, and that's happened. So, Yeah, correct. So you just you, you live for the day, you live for what you think that day and that future at that time is the right thing to do. Um, and that's what we did. Personally, 
I've always been a Steve McLaren fan. I've been a Steve McLaren fan from the very first time I saw him at Exeter um, when he was Harry's assistant. And I saw his man management style with Junior Hoylett and how he was encouraging him, he was on the touchline, you know, pushing him, and I was like, well, it, it caught me. And, you know, I worked really hard to ask him to please stay at QPR, and I said, I'm sure there's going to be a future in the, in the managerial world. But, you know, Derby, he's from that part of the world, and, and um, he chose to, you know, he wanted to manage. And he went up to Derby, and over the last few years, there were many times, you know, we tried to, the beating and the crossing just wouldn't happen. You know, either we needed a manager at the point and he wasn't available, and when he was available, we had a manager. So um, the timing was right at the end of last season, and and so we went for that. We'll see whether it's the right call in the end. But what attracted me and what still attracts me when I was at the training ground a few weeks ago was his man management style, his passion. He really wanted the job. He really wanted the job. There were other ones who almost felt like they were doing us a favour. And I think this is a great club, you know. And um, Steve wanted it. He was hungry for it. I, I know he... I felt he could manage people well. I, he was very clear. We were very clear about the budget. We were very clear about youth development. And, uh, you know, I mean, you, you can't... You, you haven't seen it, but when I was at the training ground two weeks ago, and I've been at the training ground many times over the last number of years I've got to say there was an amazing spirit there an amazing camaraderie and you know if it's down to him then he should take credit for it I just wanted to talk about sort of the patient element that you mm. you brought up in regards to the youth and I know obviously Les is kind of managing the transfer side of things but how do you balance some of the interest which comes in for young players like mm. Eze, yeah. and, and the patience of realising well we, we need money, obviously, but we want to sit a little bit on this asset and watch them blossom yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, um, that that's almost like the stock market. You know, you're, you're there and you see a, a price for a stock at £6 and you think, well, you bought it at one and you think, oh, I could bank that profit in and use it for other things. But then you know the value is probably worth 12 um, And then you don't sell it and then two months later it's down at one. That's, there's no science. Um, we are probably some of the most um, experienced owners. From for you know, you learn the most when things are bad. Um, but there is no one who can predict someone's going to be worth thirty million pounds, or you know, it, it's a, it's a guesswork. Many fans criticised us, especially me, for Smithies, um, the amount of money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but. It's, you know, it's so far, I would say, in that instance, we've been relatively vindicated. That is the philosophy of the club. We moved a player on who did great for us, um, and we brought in a youngster. It wasn't the initial plan, um, but Joe Lumley has been outstanding. I don't think anyone can say he hasn't been. Um, so so there is a that patience and that balance is a fine, it's a fine... Uh, Fine tune, but if we continue that investment in the academy, I mean, it's the first time when you, you know, I watch the under twenty three games uh, every game when when it's up on the highlights or on or when the game is transmitted to me. There's a lot of talent down there. There's a lot of talent. I have to say that 
um, it gives me the most confidence that if we have to move on some players, there'll be more coming through. And I think young players will now see QPR as a place that they have a chance to grow. Is that because of strategy or because of circumstance? A bit of both. A bit of both. You can always find established players at the right wage. You can always be tempted to go and sign a player who's got 15 years' experience and is on his last legs, and we did some of that, um, or a very experienced pro, um, Angel. You know, there, there are lots of good Angels around, and that would block some of the younger guys coming in. So there's a bit of both, but there's a very clear strategy and um, that we want to bring in, bring through the younger lads. To be fair, from a fan's point of view, I always feel that you can connect with a player more, like Donnell, um, Ezzy, Lumley, wouldn't have come through, whether they came from Tottenham or whether they come from QPR, but as long as they've gone through that young yeah. youth section to under-23s. And, and if also it's good that we can have young players who develop and then... If they want to go somewhere else, that's fine, because we get the best of both worlds in. It's much more sensible, I think, to have the youngsters that can move on and bring in money, and we can keep us... That's what QPR yeah. did for 30 years, Tony. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. And, I mean, I, my very first interviews, there's so many things I said, and, mm. you know, it's like Donald Trump. Some he's done, some he's horrifically not done. And that's the same for me. But I said, I would, love, I would love a club that had blue in their blood. Yeah. What did that mean? That meant, you know... And Darnell, you know, I mean, he's, he's as blue as they come, right? And that is his father played for us. Um, his father's in the academy. I think he's been with us since he's seven years old, or mm. um, if not younger. I'm not exactly sure the exact age. Uh, and money can't buy that kind of stuff. So They get it. Yeah, they get it. And they've been, they've worked, they've grafted. And it means a lot more when they put on that shirt and play on the, you know. Because that's what I team. think. We'd be missing, and I feel sorry for you. Even though I probably give you a hard time over the years, but yeah. you know, it's what we do as fans. We get frustrated because you can see when people are mugging you off out there, yeah. and I must be even more frustrated as an owner when you yeah. know that they're not. But the mugging you off is—it's easy in hindsight. Mm. You know, when we signed all those players, and no one was criticizing us at the time. Everyone was, "Oh, great, fantastic signing, etc." What I continue to say, um, and you get wiser. And you get wiser, and you get wiser. Um, but if someone pays you a wage, you expect them to work. Mm-hmm. Just, just that's in my ethos, right? So, but we get a bit smarter now each time, and we're very careful on who we pick, and it shows. More did you lose? There are not many bad ones in the squad. In terms mm. of learnings, is there anything that you could? maybe pinpoint and think, you know what, I really wish I could have done that differently. Maybe one player that you didn't end up signing or yeah. a manager that you wish well, you hadn't sacked at the we time. Would need or... a, we would need a Luther series for that. <laughs> uh, you know, season five. Uh, <laughs> no, that many things you'd, you'd like to do better. It's the only thing in life that I've always said, oh, I wish I could press that button. But life is also about learning. And I think, we're better and smarter and readier. Um, and as long as you view this as a very long-term project, then you say, well, we screwed up here, but we learned a lot, and that will make us much better going forward in the next 10, 15 years. So um, I take mistakes and failure as part of growing up, learning, getting better. I think, we'd be, I think every club has done it. We're just very transparent about it, right? And we've had the FFP, and I think, which I don't think has necessarily been fair, but so be it, we've moved on. 
um, and we've been open and transparent. That many owners have just stayed silent and you know buried their heads. We've just stood up and be counted. And so, of course, there's a lot more uh, negativity around us because we've been upfront about it. And I guess before there was maybe more of a short-term um, strategy in in terms of trying to secure Premier League status. Yeah, so I, and I now go, it's, it's yeah, changed. I go back in that you came in with fresh owners. We have a squad that was not going to survive. You bring in some players. Um, you then survive by the skin of your teeth last game of the mm. season. You then think you've bought a lot of good players but the manager has um, chosen. And we go down. You then want to come straight back up. So you buy more players and you buy it's more short-terms. And then you go back up and then you try to survive again and you do a lot of short-term decisions, right? So the, the whole... Uh, position QPR was in over the first four or five seasons never allowed us to really do what we're doing now and really build the structure so you know when you, when you look at a beautiful house it looks beautiful but the most important part is the foundation and the structure and and, and you know the piling that you've done and you can make the house look as nice as whatever you want we've never had that chance to really do what we're doing now the transfer embargo, blessing or a curse? Uh, immaterial. When it was the only thing that I said, we all of us like, yeah, we're not going to do anything anyway. <laughs> so, right. yeah. Yeah. Money, but so. make out that it's going to be a big deal for us. Um, were there any right. offers for any players during the winter <coughs> that you turned down? And, and does every player still have his price? I, I think in every club, every player has his price, right? If someone wrote $2 billion for Neymar, <laughs> I think Barcelona would take it. Yeah. Um, or Paris Saint-Germain yeah. now. Um, so, every player has a price. Um, uh, and yes, there were some offers. There but, were, uh, okay. We were very clear we did anyone out or anyone in. And owners and other clubs have to realise that we're not pushovers and we're not going to sell our players you know, um, on the cheat. There's a lot of debate on, on Smithies, but... We think we did all right. We think we did all right. But there will always be an opinion. I think the thing with Smithies at the time, like myself and that though, <clears throat> it did seem rather cheap for a goalkeeper of his calibre. Mm. But also at the same time as well, you just know that, and you'll know this about anyone, anyone, Warnock's a shrewd character. And if he's paying that sort of money, we're going to be, not, we're going to be on the end of a bad deal. But as it turns out, yeah. it gave Lumley the chance to progress that he might yeah. not have had. And uh, Smithies hasn't played. No. Yeah. You know, he's sat on the ban- bench. Yeah. Uh, um, all season, I, I don't think he's he's played. In Which the is a shame because that's, that's, a, waste yeah, of, that's a waste of a keeper, though. In fairness, I mean, he's yeah. I mean, I think you know that's something we can't comment on. But you know, um, and and managers change, right? I mean, you know, Neil told me I don't know why you bought him when he came in that <laughs> short period, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can ask Neil that. We're mates, so we 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 talk to each other all the time. Um, but he said, "Oh, it's maybe he's, you know so." When Cardiff offered it, I was like, wow, I love this football team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, change like opinions <laughs> pretty swiftly. But do you know what I love about QPR at the moment, I'll be honest with you? I love the fact that what we're doing is so different from that lot down the road. When they've got X amount of players out on loan, they're not developing people, that one of the kids wants to leave and go and buy Munich, blah, blah. We actually can say to people, look, 
Darnell's on the pitch, Eddie's on the pitch, Lumby's on the pitch. There is a, a route to the yeah. first team, which they can't do. Yeah, and I think when we first came, we got excited about the last game of the season, two or mm. three guys getting onto the pitch. Mm. Now, you know, and we put all these kids on loan now, which has depleted the squad, and there have been some comments on it, but... You know, do we want a kid to get 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here, etc.? Would the situation be the same if we had more money to invest? Would we, do you think we would still no, be pushing no. for we've, that youth? No. We've, we've, we've been down that road, right? So I said, you learn a lot. And I think, you know, I'd rather have 10 Darnells than one guy who's overpaid. Who than an Ashley Cole. To, to <laughs> I can think of one per single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't comment. <laughs> I can, I'm, but Paul will knock my head off. <laughs> <laughs> That's Paul Morrissey, yeah, yeah. who in the media They're team, standing there, standing over you with a baseball bat. <laughs> um, we've had lots of questions on the same two subjects. Ben Platt wants to know what the update is on the training ground and the stadium. <coughs> yeah, well, you know, I come from Malaysia. I built an airline from two planes to two hundred fifty planes. Building things in the UK is one hell of a challenge. Um, we're on the last legs for the training ground. And I don't want to steal anyone's thunder. As in nearly there, or it's about... Well, all, the legal, <laughs> all the legal stuff is done. Yeah. But they can't appeal to anyone anymore. So we now got to do, you know, um, soil and, and you know, ex- checking the site suitability. That is the word. Um, but I think we're... There is strong light at the end of the tunnel for that training ground. That must be frustrating. Oh, very. I mean, I came in here, look, with this, well, we can build a stadium, we can build a training ground, we can do all these things. And, wow, I had a, you know, I also thought you buy players who play for you. So, so... um, (laughs) The easier. Yeah, so, you know, but we never give up, right? Many people would have jumped ship, bribed them, and not taken... It's standing, not taking all the criticism, standing, not come here and, you know, uh, potentially be asked lots of embarrassing questions. We, we stood Why there haven't thought, you? Why are you still here? Because it's, 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 I don't know, why are you still coming to QPR? <laughs> you know, QPR fans have had ups and downs. It is, it is, honestly, football fans is one of the wonders of the world, um, whether it's an Accrington Stanley or Doncaster or QPR, especially in the lower leagues, I think you've got to salute these characters um, for their love of the, and the passion of the club. So, no difference from you abusing me, or, but yet going driving up on Tuesday night to Doncaster, you love the club. I love Blind the club. Blind loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and loyalty is, a, is not an easy word in this in this day and age. Mm. It's not an easy word. It's easier for fans. But when I look at younger fans and one minute they're sporting Manchester United, next minute they're yeah. <laughs> supporting whoever's top. Um, and a young QPR fan, you've got to respect him, right? Uh, mm. Or her. So um, I have what you have. I love this club, so you don't jump ship. You Could you imagine yourself saying, well, I've stopped being a QPR fan. I'm going to watch Chelsea next week. Uh, dear God. <laughs> dear. Paul, Paul's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> Where did that come from? Exactly. <laughs> the drink. So, so right, we, we could sell up and go own another club, right? And there was always, right. there was always um, sort of uh, talk that, that you were a West Ham fan, Tony. Mm. 
And yeah. so, so how? What's built this sort of um, this loyalty mm. for you here? And disappeared well, elsewhere. A couple of hundred million pounds, maybe. This is the big difference. This is the big difference between the analogy. The analogy that you're giving is, well, why haven't we jumped ship? And yes, you have the same reasons, but of course, everybody spends a hell of a lot of money yeah. on following QPR, but you and your colleagues have really spent yeah. a hell of yeah. a lot of money. And however rich you are, that money is a lot of dough to anyone. Yeah. yeah. So... So, it's kind of the same question. Yeah. Again. So well, let's go back to the West Ham situation. I mean, yes, I was a West Ham fan, um, and I, I, you know, was in, involved in trying to to acquire them and it work out. And then Bernie and Flavio said, "What about QPR?" Always had a soft spot for QPR as I lived down the road, four two four Oxbridge Road, and used to come and watch on the plastic pitch and even watch boxing here, Barry McGuigan. And so I thought, wow, this is. Um, a nice little club, and maybe maybe one day we can leave it in a better position, right? That hasn't happened, but but um, that was the aspiration, as opposed to going to a big club, which has achieved everything anyway. Um, it is very hard as a small club, and I think the football league also makes it harder now. Mm. Um, I think FFP doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's for another day. There's good bits of it, and there are bad bits of it, um, but. Uh, you know, and then when you come here, and ironically, you know, when you see the fans and you see the appreciation, even even the bad moments, people are evil on Twitter, but I, they're that. not very many evil QPR fans face to face. Yeah, not right? many. <laughs> You're still leaving the door open for them. Uh, no, no, I know. I'm probably one I've seen. Um, so, uh, so, uh, so it's a really decent club. It is a family club. Everyone says that, right, in their mm, own club. Yeah, exactly. But there is something about QPR, and it's a nice club. How, how close is this QPR to the QPR that you want it to be, and that you thought you would build? Well, or, or, or I, th- I think, yeah, that's a fantastic question of the decade. Um, oh, hear that, everyone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Question of the decade. Um, since we're talking about 10 I think years. I've got a new Twitter bio now. <laughs> um, so, aspirations. We wanted to, always wanted to build a club that youth would progress. It's in our DNA. That's beginning to happen, right? A long way to go, but it's beginning to happen. Always wanted um, a manager that would stay there for a long, long time and, and maybe his deputy would take over. Right? I mean, these are all kind of fairy tale stuff, but anything's possible, right? So if you look at successful clubs, they've all had managers that have been there for a long time or backroom staffs that have been there for a long time. Fantasy at the point, telling Ruben and stuff, oh, it'd be great if we had Les Ferdinand and, and people who, um, who really love this club working in this club. Not far away from that. Gary Penrice, Les, um, Cade Lee, who's is not a QPR, and, and neither is Chris, but you know it's coming together. And let me say, Les Ferdinand was work in progress. I think Les Ferdinand, when we first saw him, and Les Ferdinand now is completely different. It's no different from Joe Lumley, mm. right? We have developed a fantastic top-rate director of football who's only going to get better and better. He might be stolen. He might be taken by England. Whatever. But but yeah, but that shows we could do it, right? Plus, we took the risk. We took the risk on on uh, 
on Les. And we have a top guy in, in Chris Ramsey. So that training ground was very important to us and building a, a bigger stadium. So those are still to come. You know, of course we want to be in the Premier League. You know, of course we want everyone to be, you know. So there are, there's a lot of work in progress, but it's on that road. Can we go back a bit to the stadium? Oh, one more thing. Sorry. So go back. I think we've succeeded in also being a, which we haven't been given much credit for, a very transparent, a club that listens to its fans. Mm. We changed the logo. We, we've tried to. We can't keep everyone happy. We've tried to work on family stands. We've upset a few people on that, you know. Um, we have probably one of the most active um, communications and, and PR department. Um, we have a fantastic community um, trust, which has just celebrated its 10th mm. year, but it's been in action for 25 years. So lots of that stuff behind the scene. I think from a community aspect, we've been superb. Um, and that was very important to me. The whole Old Oak development was not about making £100 million. That's not what Ruben and me... It was about making enough money to go build a stadium, but really building housing that would help the community. It wasn't about building expensive flats that no QPR fan or the community could afford. It was about building stuff that would make us a profit. For sure, we're not there to lose money and use that to build a stadium. But that our own fans and people who are around here could benefit from it. And that's still the, the dream um, on the stadium that we will create jobs. Brent is one of the highest unemployment areas. Um, and, you know, we, we still really believe in the community. I've been, I've been talking to the parish priest of the first QPR church and how we can do more. Yesterday, um, through a couple of QPR fans, I'm in touch with Garth Crooks. They have a fantastic school in Brent that Andy Evans could do more with. He's already mm. doing some stuff with. So, so long answer to a short question, but, you know, we're far away from where this, we would like to be. Well, will we ever be there? Who knows? But we're on that road. We're on that road where there is a journey and there is some light. Plus, we are much the wiser in taking that journey. The thing is, going back to what you just said about community, is my sister worked in a preschool down the road and Andy Evans came out. They got some kids involved and they've took a few of them kids, put them into the academy as coaches and took them away from gangs. Now, yeah. there's no bigger testament to what this club yeah, does and, than things and, like that. And we though. can do more. I mean, I think we can do more and we should do more. Um, you know, Grenfell showed the power of what we can do. Amazing. Um, but the reality is people are still not living there, you know, and there's still people all over the place, etc. So we've got to be a bigger voice, and um, I think that's something I would like to do more of over the next 10 years. The, the other thing, Tony, just go back to the new ground, because people will say things like, why do we need to move? Mm. Do, we, do we need to stay in W12 oh. and all those sort of things? We yeah. do need to stay. To me, we need to stay in W12. This is our yeah. heritage. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Next question of the decade. Oh, really? <laughs> um, this is just my own view. We can show Twitter tales. Yeah. This, this is just my own view. Um, of course, no one wants to move. We need a bigger stadium. Financially, it's just really tough. Now, people say, oh, well, there's 14,000 today. You know, why do you need a bigger stadium? But... You know, the same reason when I built an airline, I bought an airline for two planes, and my partner was like, are you mad buying all these planes? Who's going to fill it? And now we have 250 planes. You build it, people will come if it's the right mm. facilities. 
as a club, we cannot compete because now the FFP ties one hand around us in terms of you can't spend more than you get. And there's a limited amount of income we can get from here. So we do have to move. The, the problem is if we have a council that doesn't support us and doesn't appreciate what QPR does for the community and doesn't see how important the football club is to its voters and to the community, then what do you do? Now, I'm not saying we're going to move up to Doncaster, but you know we may have to move out of the borough. Um, I've been really disappointed with the council. I've been disappointed with, with Greater London um, Authority as well. It's a very different attitude on football and football stadiums in other countries. Mm. So, of course, who wants, who wants to move out of W12? You know, I bought an apartment here so I can walk um, to the ground, right? Me so, too. Yeah, <laughs> so, or maybe we'll both be in a car. Uh, driving somewhere else, but no. So that'd be such a shame, though, it would be. It would be, but I, mean, I, I don't want to lie and say we're always going to be here no, if, no. if we don't get the right, right the support. M- the MP's behind it, anti-slaughter. I was at the, the, the community trust all uh, like, Yeah. He seems to... He, I, I don't know, that's what he said last night, anyway. Well, no one's... You know, we've worked so hard. We've had car giant against us. We've had... You know, so, <laughs> I don't want to go through it. That's another Luther series. Um... And so we are frustrated. Mm. We are frustrated because we need a we need a bigger stadium um, to compete. We we'll, we're doing our best now with young players and all the things that we do, but you're kind of caught between a nook and a cranny. I, I just find it incredible that we're not getting the support that we deserve from the council. All right, people can say it's because we're a, you know three football clubs in the borough. To me, that doesn't matter. I mean, the, no. the council should support QPR more. They need to support us more. Um, us as fans need to tap them on the shoulder a little bit, well, I think. it's kind of why I'm saying it. We can't do it ourselves. Mm. You guys, the fans need to also have a voice. So, I know we've only got a few minutes left with you, but one of the questions we got asked was from Will McGonagall, who said, "What I would ask, what do you need from the fans? If the goal is, for example, a new stadium, how can we help? Well, I've just said it, actually. You, we need your voice to push the council into realising that um, they need to support this club. Mm. This club has done a lot for this community, a lot for this council, and we have a lot of fans living here. We're not we're not like some of the other clubs, where fans will come up from Surrey, or you know, fly over from Hong Kong or whatever. Right? We are very much a local club, and um, I think we need your voice. We you know we, we sometimes feel lonely that we're fighting against the mayor or the, the leader of the council, etc. We we would love you to lend us your voice as well in the support that the council should support Queen's Park Rangers. Well said. Um, I, just going back to FFP, um, with the parachute payments ending next season, mm. are you concerned about that? Are we going to be... Is that going to plunge us into more trouble? or, or are you, are you No, no. We're, we're, we're comfortable. And I think that's been that journey. Um... And uh, you know, yeah, we're 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 no. I mean, it's not something we didn't weren't aware of, right? Um, of course, there's always that silver lining of getting promoted, but you know, you and I know that's a, this is one of the hardest leagues. You have a run of five games at the top, and then you mm. lose the next three. Yeah. Uh, it's it's topsy turvy, right? Sometimes suddenly you see the league and think, where the hell did that club come from? 
um, Hull was in relegation mm. zone and then yeah. <laughs> started a huge run with us and then lost the black man. I think we helped him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, no, we managed this and to Lee, who's credit and, and everyone in the football side, we know where we are, we know the parachute money isn't there, we're very confident of, of managing it. But realistically, yeah. we are, are we going to have to sell some players like in the in, in the transfer? We'll have to the sell team? a couple. Yeah. But I mean, there is no necessity, and I that's think that's the message mm. to the fans, and that's the message to anyone who thinks they're going to get players on the cheap from us. We know the value. One thing, I mean, I don't want to put any pressure on you, Tony. That's all right. But um, being in the role you have, I want to be Brentford away. Because they do what? Yeah. I want to get to Wembley for the FA Cup final <laughs> because I've nothing planned for that day. And um, if we can tap on the shoulders of the playoffs, I would say it was a decent season. Yeah, yeah. What would you classify okay. as a good season? Well, let me start off with being a little bit positive in that after four games of the season, if I was sitting here after those four games, we wouldn't have been thinking of that. We wouldn't have been thinking there's a chance of the playoffs... There's a chance of Wembley, um, and definitely Brentford would have been far away. Though they just had a fantastic game the other day, uh, winning 5-2, right? Coming back from 2-0 down. We're in the position that we may, depending on today, after today, still be in a position to take you to Wembley for the FA Cup, maybe twice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying we're in that position. I just want to put fans into perspective. If things don't go right the next few oh, games, yeah, if, if things don't go right the next few weeks, we start off really poorly. It's fantastic in February that we still have something to aim for, right? Whether we get there or not, who knows? But to me, it's been a successful season. We're in February. We're not looking at relegation after the first four games. Mm. Um, we're still in the FA Cup. We beat Nottingham Forest. I know. And we still haven't got the bogey team Preston yet. No. Um, we beat Brentford. Mm. Um, so, we could beat dream scenario. Yeah. Would, you, would you rather win the <laughs> FA Cup or get promoted <laughs> if we oh. have a chance? Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, oh. Well, we all so, answered it last uh, week. We'll do both. I want to say one thing about the FA Cup which I, I find very strange I find very strange teams in the Premier League who have nothing to aim for anymore don't put out their best team in the FA Cup it's a fantastic competition I remember as a kid you know we'd all be watching the final whatever the teams were and um, I think it's a shame that it's gone down a little bit in value um, Nothing would make me happier to be at Wembley and, and win the will FA Cup. Will you do the Wembley walk? I, I definitely will. Um, I may, you may throw things at me that time. I don't think so. But um, who knows? But look, the, 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 these are, this could all date very quickly. <laughs> exactly. Because this is going out tomorrow morning. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I said I, I, I put the exclusion clause at yeah. the beginning. My point was, come February... When we started out the first four games, we wouldn't have thought we were in that position. So there's been progress. Come what may today and over the next few weeks, I just want to say and end that it's been a positive season, you know, and things are moving in the right direction. We may not achieve Paul's dreams, 
Why not? We may not. If I say that, then you'll all slag me off and say, oh, you're being too ambitious, etc., etc. So we may not. But we can still dream for another few more weeks. I think the dream is we still have a football club. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Tony, we're very aware. I now have, um, I now have Paul Morrissey standing over me with the metaphorical baseball. Well, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it, it doesn't. We can't ever finish really a podcast without passing over to Paul Finney to finish us off. So no. I'll let him have the final word. <laughs> Which is unusual for your good self. No, it's it's quite sad that um, today we lost two people that are close to the club: Matthew Brazier and Anthony Pallet, who 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 died today. Um, terribly young, really sad. And um, sometimes real life is far more important than dreams of football. And um, our condolences as a podcast, and I'm sure you sure as well, Tony, to the families yeah, above. I mean, you know, over the last few weeks, you've had the, the disaster at Cardiff, and mm. um, it does bring a sense, and, and you've seen how Neil has taken it so badly and, and everyone else. And it does show that life is, is short, but it does also show that clubs and football is special. Because you know we have um, the family of Anthony coming here today, and I'm sure they have many things, but they want to come to QPR, and it does show how important football is and how it means so much to people. So that even in their darkest hour, there is a group of people that will care for them and think about them and and help them through this very difficult time. So uh, while it's an incredibly sad day, it does give me a little bit of positivity that this club still cares about people and puts people first. Well said. Well said. Tony, thank you very much for joining Pleasure. us. Thanks, Tony. Pleasure. It was Let, fun. Let's hope it's gone well tonight by the time people listen to this. <laughs> and, uh, Have you got a prediction for tonight, Tony? No, oh, don't do no. that. Don't do that. Oh, do you know, no. do you know I, 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 predictions are just, I'm never going to predict anything in life, by the way, but <laughs> I was sitting there at Pompey and the BBC TV reporter was in front of me and he said, if you're up by 3-0, you know, with 10 minutes to go, do you mind saying a few words? <laughs> I, said, I said, as long as we're up 3-0, but I don't think it's going to be like that. <laughs> we'll see you on the walk to Wembley. Brilliant. <laughs> I didn't say that, you did. <laughs> Thank you. It's been open all ours. <laughs>